Welcome to Fusion Fantasy Football. Welcome to Fusion Fantasy Football. I'm your host, Joshua, and I have a fake football fight for you today. My guest is none other than Josh Larkey. He, if you're not aware of this guy, he's he's really tearing it up in the Twitter streets. Um, so I had to get him on when we disagreed on a couple things. Uh, but just quick, in case you don't know who Josh is, he was hired full-time director of analytics over at Roto Underworld and player profiler. But before that, little maybe did everyone know, he was behind the scenes at Breakout Finder getting those wide receiver version out in 2020. And then this past year off season, now they've got the running backs in there. Thanks to Josh. And um, he now has the code breaker podcast with Roto Underworld. So you can find it on that RSS feed with all the other good pods on there. And it kind of has a, he has a hard hitting data approach, but with a little bit of a, a scripted sounded delivery. That's it's a little unusual, uncommon in today's podcast, at least. And, but it does make it an easy listen uh, and easy to absorb, even though it's very data-driven. So check that out. Um, all of these things, you'll always hear him talking about R. And you're like, what is R? R is a coding language. Um, it works well with a lot of data, basically. And it lets him sift through and get all these fun stats. So he also offers, if you're interested in that, a whole course on learning how to code in R. So check out all that. All those links, all that information is going to be down in the description. Be sure to check out all those things, playerprofiler.com. And on Twitter, at tweets. you can see it right there. That's quite the resume, Josh. Welcome. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. You have a unique show concept. So I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, I do not disappoint after that intro, though. I will be less scripted for this one. So this will yeah, be I mean, Larky unfiltered. Index cards to read off, you know, flipping through. No, we'll I just see. have a couple like coding screenshots of like output. That sounds like a joke, but it's not. Just got a, got a few stats here because I think that the, the ETN Bateman debate can be broken down into a few fairly simple stats that I'm I'm ready to deliver and kind of elaborate on. Uh, why you're wrong. So I'm looking forward to this. Well, so a while back, <laughs> you said something about how Bateman uh, should not be drafted ahead of Etienne. And I kind of, I just did like a copy paste, like version of yours, but flipped it around um, saying that you shouldn't take ba- uh, Etienne before Bateman. Um, and like I do when somebody disagrees and they are passionate and actually, you know, push back against me, I say, okay, then. Sounds like you got something to say. You've got data. I know from other things I know of you that you you have data to back it up. So I challenge you on here. But that was a while ago. That was like draft season. You were drafting. You guys recently got you guys got uh Roto Underworld draft kit out too, right? Yeah, we have the the Roto Underworld in quotes world famous draft the kit. World famous draft kit. Yeah. I think Matt is behind that name. I can't be certain. Yeah. But yeah, we'll oh, see. I, Maybe I'm they've certain. heard of us. Maybe they've heard of us in Taiwan or Australia yeah. or France. I don't know. It has nothing Probably to do not. with with whether people have heard it or not. That's just the title. 
Yeah, it's just the title because it's right. world famous. This is this is the world's best podcast. I can just name it that. It doesn't actually have to be. Um, so we disagreed on that, and um, also just how much volume and 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 impact Bateman's going to make, even as a rookie and going forward. So we came up with something that we could definitively debate about, disagree about. Um, but at the same time, we also wanted to get into the actual, you know, beginning of it, Etienne versus Bateman. So we are going to do two fights, essentially. We're going to do a two-round fight for you tonight where we're going to really just talk about Bateman first and why I'm high on him, just him. Uh, then we're going to talk, have a bit of intermission, very probably data-filled. Josh has a bunch of good stats for us, laying the groundwork for the positional differences between running back and wide receiver values as rookies especially first rounders uh and most of that stuff i'm not gonna even disagree with it's just it's just stats and probabilities and history right so i'm not even gonna disagree with that stuff so it's not gonna be part of the fight but we're gonna take that information we're gonna take our profiles and the way that we're approaching these players and actually apply it to the specific players of bateman and etienne and why we feel the way we do about them, how that plays out. So I'm not going to disagree with a lot of stuff he says in intermission, but I'm going to apply it differently and have some different conclusions than him on the specific players. So that's going to be what we're doing tonight. Um, got any questions, Josh? No, we should just get into it. I'm ready. ready to go. I'm Guys, if up. you don't know, fake football fight, there's there's a technically rules, but they're not really rules because it's just inherit to the name it's a fight so we have to fight we have to disagree we're not going to stop in the middle and hug it out uh we're not gonna you know turn and help each other beat up the ref there, there's no ref by the way uh we're fighting each other we're disagreeing with each other it is a debate to the death on our on our points and uh the other thing is that there will be someone's wrong now like any fight any you know official technical debate typically there's some kind of reaction, judgment or something afterwards to declare someone's a winner based on the perception of who made better arguments and so on. I'm sure the listeners out there are going to do that for us tonight. But at the same time, I always make sure whatever we're fighting about is um, objectively, we'll be able to find out who really won according to the results, the NFL results next year. So we'll have a definitive claim that is exactly what we're arguing about. And we'll have to wait and see on that result. Other than that, no rules. Interrupt. Insult. Josh said he's not going to swear at me, but we'll see what I we'll see if I can fix that. Um, <laughs> within reason, we do want to make sure we can metaphorically like shake each other's hands and still be friends, you know, when we're done. Don't go too crazy on me, Josh. All right. That's that. Let's uh let's hit the drop and get going. Football fight. All right, so the claim for the fight one is that Rashad Bateman will be a top 16 dynasty wide receiver by next offseason. So this season's going to propel him, and he's going to be up there with the top names going into next season. Let's do it. What do you think? So I pulled up some dynasty rankings of ours just to read off some names of if you're thinking, what does top 16 mean? You want a little bit of context. So Michael Thomas, Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, Terry McLaurin, 
DeAndre Hopkins, Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, Cortland Sutton, Keenan Allen. That's kind of the player profiler 11 to 20 range. So that way you can kind of understand some of the company that he has. And one thing that you could notice right off the bat is basically all these guys have been a wide receiver one at some point or for an extended period of time. So I know like Ayuk hasn't been that yet, but we all saw Brandon Ayuk be a wide receiver one for what, eight straight games while he was healthy. So we we have seen him do it. And my issue with Bateman is, yes, he's young. He's going to be productive. I think he'll be productive this year, next year, and so on. I don't see any path to him ever having a wide receiver one season. And it's really difficult to enter that tier, regardless of age, if you just don't have a ceiling. Because, I mean, have you ever won a fantasy championship because your, your back-end wide receiver two was putting up 12 fantasy points a game? I've certainly never had that happen. So I don't, I don't, I just don't see the difference making upside with Bateman where he's going to have that, that key season that vaults him into that range. And I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, I think we're a little bit underestimating how good a player Bateman is. And I know you're putting him up there with some guys that are beginning. I mean, you even agreed he could he could hit 20% target share even this year as a rookie, which is high for a rookie. I'm looking mm-hmm. at 100 targets, and you you weren't quite there, but I think I think that's going to happen. He's going to usurp Marquise Brown as the wide receiver one there. And compared to a lot of these other names you were listing, he he's going to be in a position to be a dominant number one target on his team that some of those other guys, they don't have quite that easy path to being the dominant one. I mean, Ayuk's got to fight against Debo, who's a pretty good wide receiver in his own right, and uh, one of the best tight ends in the game. Meanwhile, we've got, who else you said? Allen Robinson, he's been a very good wide receiver. Now, next year, he might fall out with age. We'll see how it goes with Justin Fields. Uh, I'm I'm thinking and bringing up Ayuk mostly because he is one that when you said that I'm like, Bateman can beat Ayuk definitely. Um, you think about some of these other wide receivers. I mean Ayuk jumped up into that realm already and he hasn't done that much. T Higgins would have been probably up in that area. The Jamar Chase, you know, uh, drafting kind of dropped him out, but he was in that same kind of conversation, right? And of course, CeeDee Lamb is like wide receiver 12 into ADP right now. I can easily see Bateman, and they're very comparable players to me, uh, but CeeDee Lamb is expected to be top 12 wide receiver, and he's not even the wide receiver one on his own team. I understand, and this may be where we disagree, that offense is far more productive a lot more volume with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. But again, Bateman doesn't have to be out anyone near the caliber of Amari Cooper. So, so if, if looking... we're just, let's stick with CeeDee Lamb for a second. Let's go. So CeeDee Lamb had 13 fantasy points a game as a rookie. He didn't have a 20% target share for Bateman. His target share was under 18%. So if CeeDee Lamb had a sub-18% target share and still gave you 13 fantasy points a game, which is incredibly elite for a rookie, that shows you his potential. And that's why CeeDee Lamb gets to this tier of receiver is that CeeDee Lamb has an 18% target share. Amari Cooper's never been over about a 20.5% target share any year. So while Amari Cooper 
Maybe he's the wide receiver one. This is not a high target share wide receiver one. This is this is not like Still a Michael Thomas. Still better than Marquise Brown. Come on. You know, I, I actually I can pull it up, but I think Marquise Brown probably had a twenty percent target share last year. He, had he probably a had a higher target share. Twenty four point six. Yeah. So Marquise Brown, there you go. He had well over a 20% target share and he still didn't do anything in fantasy. Because he's not good. Week. Yeah, it's bad for Marquise Brown. It's bad for the Ravens offense. If Marquise Brown is the super alpha in that offense, getting a nearly 25% target share, that's like what Terry McLaurin gets, like Justin Jefferson. This is like the super alpha 25% target share. And Marquise Brown didn't get you a single wide receiver one week last year. Like he never had a top 12 week. Never did you win your week and you're like, oh, Marquise Brown, let me shake your hand. Thank you for that fantasy football victory. So already like the the bar for these Ravens receivers to be difference makers because of the volume is so high. I mean, if CeeDee Lamb can have an 18% target share and be a difference making fantasy player, imagine if he gets to 20%, 25%. I mean, I think CeeDee Lamb in a vacuum is just better than Bateman. But even if we just assume that they're the same and that we think 25% is in both of their range of outcomes, if Dak Prescott throws the ball 600 times a year, which is on the low end, 25% of that's 150. That's 150 targets right there. Lamar Jackson threw 400 pass attempts in 2019 and 376 pass attempts in 2020. So, so how, what kind of volume do we need Lamar to hit? They, they extended Gus Edwards. JK Dobbins is incredible. Lamar's incredible on the ground. They have the most efficient rushing attack in NFL history. Why are they going to just blow that up on a whim and say, you know what? Uh, at fusion FFB on Twitter, really wants Bateman to be good in fantasy. We're going to dial up the pass attempts 50% just to still be below the Cowboys passing volume. Well, here's what you're missing though. It's not just about volume. And we've seen this with other low volume rushing quarterbacks. Now I'm not going to put Lamar Jackson. I'm drawing a comparison and this isn't to the degree. I'm just drawing a comparison to the style. Russell Wilson, low, lower, passing volume early in his first three years of his career, right? But it didn't stop him from giving us productive wide receivers, right? There, these, these quarterbacks are very efficient, and their efficiency is often unlocked by their running ability, so it enhances their efficiency when it comes to even the passing game. Lamar Jackson, on playerprofiler.com, you check out his red zone efficiency as a passer, very high, very high touchdown rate. And he's continued this. Now, on last episode, me and uh, Peter Howard were talking about touchdowns and how it often regresses. But there's still players that seem to have levels that maintain above average. Obviously, Russell Wilson is one of them. And as he's improved, as he's uh, gained that confidence, now that's one area where his coaching staff has clearly held him back, and he still has had wide receiver ones. Not overall, but top 12s, right? While Greg Roman may be holding Lamar Jackson back, and I will admit that if there's anything that's going to be holding back Lamar Jackson, it's that Greg Roman. And I'm not 
an X's and O's guy, but I'm told that the route concepts are pretty simplistic there, right? And his passing volumes for teams that he coaches are consistently down 30, 31, 32nd most, which means least, pass attempts, right? Mm -hmm. But we've seen instances, even recently, where that's had to change, right? Buffalo, last year, Brian Dable as offensive coordinator there, very similar, not quite as low as Roman, but he was down in the 28, 29, the 30 rank in pass attempts and leapt all the way up to third this past season. Okay. So this well, goes back to the what, personnel there. I uh, thank you. Are, Cause this goes back to what I was saying when I, back in March, before I knew anything about Mateman, I was just mm-hmm. looking at Lamar Jackson. I was looking at the situation in Baltimore and I said, look, they, they need to do something. I was also looking at how they used Marquise Brown at the end of that season. They changed the way they were using him slightly. He started getting more volume. His efficiency went up, but he still wasn't even that great. So they probably looked at it and said, look, we need somebody who can actually do that, but better because Marquise Brown, that's not what he's supposed to be doing. And Bateman is perfect Mm -hmm. for that. He is like my tweet was saying back in March, you know, Lamar Jackson needs a Stefan Diggs. Yeah. And that helped unlock Josh Allen. So I'll I'll try and touch on all those points. So first, if we look at Russell Wilson, did not hit 500 pass attempts until he was 28 years old. How many years are we going to wait for Lamar Jackson to potentially mature as a passer where the comparison that we have to draw is historically the most efficient, best deep ball passer ever? So if that's the guy that we have to compare for Lamar Jackson and say, look at Russell Wilson. Okay, look at Russell Wilson always has eight yards per attempt year after year. The most efficient quarterback in the NFL. The only quarterback the last four years in the NFL to have 30 or more touchdown passes in all four seasons because nobody throws the deep ball like Russell Wilson. Lamar is just not nearly as accurate. He doesn't have a strong arm. To hit on the Bills point, yes, the Bills completely turned up the passing volume, but we have to look at the personnel. Who were their running backs? Five foot seven, 200 pound, four, six, five running Devin Singletary. And then Zach Moss, who's just certifiably so average at football. And then Josh Allen is not nearly the runner. Lamar is Lamar has had a thousand rushing yards the past two seasons. Josh Allen was a 500 rushing yard, a season kind of guy. So you can't compare the quarterbacks because Lamar runs twice as much. You can't compare the running backs because the Ravens running backs were averaging nearly six yards a carry last year when what were the Bills running backs averaging? About four. So these are just two different, uh, the teams couldn't be more different where if you look at, obviously the Bills are going to want to pass more because if you're like, oh, are we gonna just going to pound Singletary and Zach Moss up the middle for 4.1 yards a carry? Probably not. But if you can have Dobbins get six yards a carry and Gus Edwards get over five yards a carry, then of course, you're just going to keep running the ball. It's much safer. Fewer turnovers when you run the ball. It's very obvious what you're trying to do. You can very systematically tick off yardage. You don't have to worry about incompletions because they so rarely have a negative play. So those are my issues is that the, the Ravens just aren't incentivized to throw the ball more. Sure, they, they're going to throw the ball a little more with Bateman, but we can't just... So Marquise Brown won't disappear. Unless you're arguing that you think he's going to be cut. I don't think he's going to be cut. He's going to be out there commanding some type of target share, stretching the field. Mark Andrews is still there. They're probably going to extend him. 
okay, where is the target share coming from? Mark Andrews had a 24% target share last year. He didn't even have 100 targets. Like, how much do we want this passing volume to grow? Who are you just giving like the full X to and saying, you're out of the offense because we need to manufacture more targets for Bateman? Like, how many targets do you want to give Bateman? Should we have Mark Andrews at 50 targets and Marquise Brown at 60 and then 200 targets for Bateman? It just doesn't seem realistic that Bateman's going to have this difference-making volume. And that's what I'm afraid of. And my point is it's not just about difference-making volume. It's also the efficiency. And and Jackson has that consistent efficiency. And all you need is to combine it with a little bit more volume. To complete my thought, I don't need I don't need them to jump to third like the Bills. So again, the comparison was it was a comparison, not uh, I'm not saying that they're going to do it to that degree. I just need them to jump into the 20s, 15 maybe. Like that's still going to get me closer to 500 pass attempts. And that's more than enough for someone like Lamar Jackson to create a wide receiver one. And it's going to be it's going to be touchdowns, but he he does that. I mean, Marquise Brown was averaging one touchdown per game over the last what six or seven games. If. Yeah, that's not sustainable. You th- we think Bayman's going to have it. 17 touchdowns. Yeah, I so don't he's think done he's going to have 17, but he's going to have more than five. So my issue is that who's going to get supported with these touchdowns? Two years ago, we had Mark Andrews with double-digit touchdowns. Last year, Marquise Brown ran really pure at the end of the year. I mean, who's going to get the touchdowns? You can't have two or three guys all getting all the touchdowns when also Lamar is taking a lot of them with his legs. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are likely both going to hit 10 plus rushing touchdowns this year. There's only so many touchdowns to go around. Well, I, I just don't see the path. He's to averaging Bateman. 30. Like you were just talking about. So if we look at Lamar, I know he had 36 two years ago, right? That was very impressive. Year. 26 is past. It was year. a down year touch- and admittedly. And I think this season they saw what you asked, why are they going to do this? Because They've realized they've gone as far as they can in the actual NFL playoffs, winning games in today's NFL, doing it the way they do it. And just to complete the thought while I still have it, uh, what I was talking about, yeah, Russell Wilson out there, he has Pete Carroll holding him back. He said, how long are we going to have to wait? Here's the thing. John Harbaugh isn't like that. He doesn't care. He let Flacco throw the ball plenty. He doesn't care. He's a very adaptable Coach, he will do what it takes to win, whichever strategy that is. And so I think we see them with an emphasis just in their actions. I'm not a big coach speech guy, not at all around here, but just their actions. Drafting Bateman first round, even adding Tylen Wallace. Obviously, they knew that what they had wasn't enough. And they saw two years ago, you talked about who it was two years ago. It was Willie Sneed out there catching 68% of his catches, looking like he's good again. They needed somebody who could do that kind of thing. And that's what they had Marquise Brown doing more of towards the end of the season once again. But Bateman will do it so much better. So last year when Marquise Brown had his insane stretch, just to reiterate, he never had a wide receiver one week. He was getting around a 30 plus percent target share and still couldn't hit a single top 12 weekly finish. Even with a touchdown every single week. 
What yeah. kind of volume do we really expect Bateman to get? No, because no, 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 no. You're you're looking 30% at the percent target share for a full did. season. It wasn't a volume problem. He was getting the targets. He was getting the work. The problem was Marquise Brown. Yeah, but I'm saying that target share is unrealistic for a full season, especially if you bring Bateman in. The 30% target share is what Michael Thomas had when he set the NFL record for catches in a season. We do not, we cannot just say, oh, Bateman is going to be a really good fantasy asset because in my projections, I'm assuming he's going to lead the NFL in target share. That's essentially what he has to do to get difference making volume. Unless you think Lamar's going to start throwing the ball 600 times a season, which I think is really unlikely. The ground game is too good. Yes, Joe Flacco had some high pass volume. The ground game then was not nearly as good. Joe Flacco is not a mobile quarterback. The Ravens have the most unique offense in the NFL. Kyler Murray is just as good of a runner as Lamar Jackson, but there's a reason why Kyler Murray runs a whole lot less than Lamar. It's because Lamar is not suited to this high volume passing role. It exposes that his arm's not very good. His accuracy can be shaky and that Lamar's best skill is keeping linebackers and safeties off balance with his legs. That doesn't necessarily scream to me, oh yeah, he's going to feed the alpha in Rashad Bateman and give him the highest target share in the NFL to make up for low passing volume. Also, if you look at the Russell Wilson receivers that have succeeded, the years they crush is when they have a crazy amount of touchdowns. And the years that they don't crush is when they don't have a crazy amount of touchdowns. I don't want Bateman knowing that unless he happens to get 30 to 40% of the team's passing touchdowns that he's not, he's going to flop. He's going to have 900 receiving yards, seven touchdowns, 70, 80 catches and be a high end wide receiver, three low end wide receiver two. And he might not, he might not even start every week for me at that point. He might even be a, like a flex play, a bench play with that kind of volume. Like how Again, many targets do you want to get? Issue. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate Marquise Brown, 100 targets, okay, 25% basically target share. 48 receptions. 48 receptions. 58, sorry, 58 receptions. 769 yards. Even you think that, that Bateman as a rookie can get that many yards, but he's he he's not going to have a 58% completion you know, catch rate. He's going to be higher than that is my point. That 100 targets becomes 70 something receptions okay 800 900 pushing a thousand yards even in rookie season um that that's what i'm saying is you keep talking about like it's a volume issue but i keep telling you the volume is there with the current efficiency i'm not even more efficiency i just want willie sneed level catch rate with marquis brown volume like that's all i'm looking for that's fine. I mean, Marquise Brown had 13.3 yards per reception as kind of a deep threat. I don't think Bateman's going to reach that yards per reception. So sure, he can have some more catches. He'll have more PPR points. I mean, Marquise Brown literally didn't do anything last year. He was useless. His dynasty value tanked. We don't want that Marquise Brown season. I don't think Bateman's going to have that Marquise Brown season. I think he's going to have some more receptions. But the problem is he's not going to have as high of a yards per reception And I don't know where these yards are coming from. I don't know where these touchdowns are coming from. It is just so incredibly difficult when Lamar 
What did, what did Lamar pass for when he won MVP? He passed for 3,100 yards. Yes, I think that's going to go up. But the thing is, we're starting at this. We're starting at ground zero. This isn't some quarterback that's throwing 550 times for 4,000 yards, and we say, "Oh, I bet he can throw more." We are starting at by far not even close the fewest pass attempts per game. So I actually have that stat. The that's past not two true. seasons, uh, Josh Allen had fewer until he didn't. Yes, but again, we can't compare them because Josh Allen has the strongest arm in the NFL. And Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, yes, you're not going to be running those guys into the ground. Again, no, I'm not saying to the degree. I'm just saying. Yeah, I think there's, I, I have a projected pass attempts increase for Lamar. But here's where he's starting at. Lamar in 2019 had under 27 attempts per game. Under 27. That's his MVP year. He was really good that year. Under 27. The average that year was 35. The average quarterback's throwing the ball 30 times a game. He threw it under 27. Next year, last year, 2020, he threw it 25 times a game. Don't worry. I'm on your side. I want more pass volume. I have Lamar at 28 pass attempts per game. This is three more pass attempts a game than last year. And it's still not difference making volume because league average is 35. Even if you give him league average of 35, now you suddenly, you can't just accept the 20 to 25% target share. You need potentially more than that because Lamar Jackson, if he's going to have intense pass volume, we will expect and should expect the pass efficiency to go down. There is, you will be hard pressed to find a quarterback who suddenly rockets up the efficiency from one year to the next and is just so much more efficient. Part of why Lamar is efficient is every single time he drops back to pass, there's the threat of him scrambling. If he completely stops scrambling, which he's going to have to do if you want to get the pass attempts up, then defenses are going to react to that and they're going to adjust. I understand like maybe the threat of him scrambling will worry people, but in order for you to get legitimate pass volume for him without them neglecting Dobbins, who they took in the second round, so it's not like they only invested high capital in abatement. There's Dobbins. Gus Edwards, who just got a pretty massive extension for a backup running back. I think it was two for 10 million. That sounds like pretty heavy investment into running for both Dobbins and Gus Edwards. How are we going to give Dobbins some carries, Gus Edwards some carries, Lamar some scrambles? Because again, that's the actual best part of his game. And now we have to worry about feeding Bateman. But we can't forget about Mark Andrews, who has basically the highest red zone target share of any tight end in the NFL. And Marquise Brown is still there. He's not going away. They took him in the first round. He's going to be the other receiver. We can't just suddenly say they're either going to run the ball or throw to Bateman. Your Mark Andrews point there, it kind of, I feel like that supports my position, kind of. Like, I don't think that's Mark Andrews being just magically special. I think, again, that goes back to Lamar Jackson. Just saying. Well, Mark Andrews has always been one of the top tight ends and yards per route run. Marquise Brown, uh, not nearly as good in yards per route run, which makes me think Mark Andrews is a legitimate threat to Bateman. And I think Marquise Brown's a legitimate threat. The, The coaching staff is not just going to sit the guy that they took in the first round from two years ago. He's he's going to play out at least this year and next year. He could even take a step forward. Last year was his first full healthy season. Maybe he takes a step forward. 
He probably won't, but it's not out of the question. Like we can't just automatically run out the best case scenario because right now, so far you and I have run out the scenario that first round pick Marquise Brown is for sure relegated by Bateman. I agree. I think Bateman's better. Can I just pencil in Marquise Brown's target share for Bateman and then pencil in Willie Sneed or Miles Boykin's target share for Marquise Brown? I don't want to do that. That doesn't seem statistically sound to just say, oh yeah, this first round pick is going to relegate this first round pick so easily as a rookie. I I just, we're jumping through so many different hoops and it's going to end with, I mean, what, 100 rookie targets for Bateman? That's what we're going to be clapping our hands for. The point again, though, back to the, the, the definitive arguing point, is that Bateman will be a top 16 ADP. He will be viewed as being a borderline wide receiver one, according to Dynasty ADP, next offseason. So that's kind of the point. That's the focus. And I'm saying he's going to do enough. Yeah, at the beginning of the season, he's not going to be overtaken Brown. I, I agree. It's going to take some time. That that happened with Lamb as well, right? He was often man the third man out when they're running 12 personnel and so on. But I think before long, by the end of the season, it's that trajectory thing. Sometimes we see players, they don't even have to have as good of a season, but if they have that trajectory towards the end of the season, that's all it takes. And the first two-thirds of the season doesn't even matter, even if it's worse than somebody else. Mm -hmm. So that's my point with that. That's where I'm going to stick. If you want to make a final argument on that. Just one more thing to touch on. We brought up CeeDee Lamb a couple times. So CeeDee Lamb, yes, he only had 13 fantasy points a game overall. That's still very, very, very elite for a rookie. However, the first five games with Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb was averaging a hell of a lot more than 13 fantasy points a game. And he higher, gets Dak Prescott back. The season. Yeah, CeeDee Lamb had yeah. his first five games, 11, 17 and a half, 11 and a half, 25 and 20 and a half fantasy points. These are numbers Bateman will not be able to sniff as a rookie because he's not going to get the volume. And that's my fear is that CD lamb was running 40 routes a game at that point. Arkeese Brown. I pull him up quickly was not running 40 routes a game. Cause they don't pass enough. Marquise Brown never hit 40 routes a game. He only hit 30 routes a game in a few games. We're going to need so much more pass volume. We're going to need so much more efficiency and a guy like a C.D. Lamb and Ayuk, these guys aren't going anywhere. Yes, you may have an Allen Robinson slipping, but there's other guys that are for sure vaulting in. We have LaVisca Chenault, who I think is primed to hop into that upper tier. Or maybe it's DJ Chark. One of those two is very likely to pop back in there with a better quarterback. There's so many examples of guys that could take over for the aging Allen Robinson. I just do not see Bateman having any kind of stretch like a C.D. Lamb or any type of flashing where people say a wide receiver one season is in his future. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to bet on the talent and uh, I, I still like him. I think he's right up there as far as the talent with C lamb and mm. I, I'm, I'm going to bet on that. So I think with that, we should close out round one, um, talk a little bit about running back wide receiver and then get into Etienne really quick. Have a, not one more quick round. I think Yeah, so the interlude on my end super quick cuz I know that we don't have a ton of time. The interlude running back versus wide receiver, it's really an open and shut case as to why I prefer running backs in general in dynasty. It seems like we actually are in agreement. So just for the audience out there as to why in general you prefer a running back, 
if we look at guys that are going in the first three rounds of startups, again, ADP could be slightly different depending on who, where you look, but this is general consensus. We have 18 running backs going in the first three rounds. We have 10 receivers. That's generally how it is. There are more valuable running backs in dynasty with super premium dynasty startup ADP than there are receivers. I'll name them super quickly. Running backs, Jonathan Taylor, McCaffrey, Saquon, Swift, Dobbins, Gibson, Delvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, ETN, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Zeke, Mixon, Najee Harris, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, Miles Sanders, that's 18. The receivers, it's a shorter list. A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Ridley, Jamar Chase, D.K. Metcalf, Devontae Adams, CeeDee Lamb, DeAndre Hopkins. So 18 to 10. So that's just the general idea as to why I would, and it seems like you would, all else being equal, often defer to a running back in Dynasty is because there's just more of them that have that elite value. So that's just generally, whether or not you agree with it, that's how the average Dynasty gamer will value those positions. Yeah, people are familiar with me and, and talking about drafts. I say rookie drafts. Round one is for the running backs. Round two is for the wide receivers. And then you can get your tight end in round three and then go back to just high upside running backs for the rest of the draft in case they hit and then sell them what they do. That's pretty much it. Um, that's just copy paste year, year in, year out pretty much. Uh, and Superflex adds a little uh, little flavor in there. But um, I, I agree with, with, with all of that. We're going to disagree as it gets to the particular players. Um I've been I've been the guy saying you know I'm in on Nick Chubb, I'm in on on these players because they're going to be they're going to be league winners second half of the season. Absolutely, completely been with you on those guys. But I I think that while running backs generally is better first round dynasty rookie pick better than a wide receiver, I think again Bateman and what I see him vaulting to as we just talked about in adp in value in a in a dynasty league is a better pick than etienne even right now because he's still going to even outscore etienne in etienne's year one and and he's not going to be able to then catch up to bateman again like we're seeing with cd lamb dobbins is right behind him dobbins was getting drafted before lamb right around the same and now today they're back to back and Lamb will just continue to go up and Nobbins will continue to get older. So while they're very close, mm -hmm. I just think dynasty value you're better off with Bateman, even if you're looking at the points. Yeah. I think that's the perfect example. CD Lamb versus JK Dobbins. If I had to choose a young running back who couldn't have a more different NFL profile for what we project than ETN, it would be J.K. Dobbins. The whole crux of why I'm in on Travis Etienne is that he catches passes. I've done the research. I've looked at all the play-by-play -play data. A running back target the past five years is one and a half times, or two, sorry, two and a half times more fantasy points on average than a running back carry. So essentially, two and a half running back carries equals one running back target is another way to think about it in terms of fantasy points. Most of us play in PPR. If you play in half PPR, that's fine. It's still 1.9 times more valuable. The issue with Dobbins is he doesn't catch passes because of, again, one Lamar Jackson. I don't know how many passes we think Lamar is going to throw. 
even if Lamar's throwing like 550 passes and has like a 30% increase from last year, there's still just not that much volume there for Bateman unless he leads the NFL in target share. What I like about Travis Etienne is he catches passes. He caught passes in college. In college, Travis Etienne, his senior year, had 48 catches for nearly 600 yards. And I thought to myself, why don't I research and see how these college receptions totals translate to the NFL? And I found some really interesting information. Pass-catching running backs that are drafted in the first two days of the NFL drafts, these day one, day two running backs that are pass catchers in college. In general, they'll have their best season in the NFL. On average, is 1.65 times as many receptions as their best college season. And their second best season, even if we want to look for two years of production, will still be 1.34 times their best season. So if we apply the 1.65 and the 1.34 to the 48 catches ETN had, that means we can expect on average, and in fact, the guys I'm looking at here are actually about 90% of them were worse college receivers than ETN, but it's okay. We're just going to assume that he was a mirage. He wasn't that good. Even if we assume his 48 was fake and we group him in with guys that had 30 to 40 catches mostly, 1.65 times 48 is 79. 1.34 times 48 is 64. On average, we should expect based on history, ETN to have a season with 79 catches and ETN to have his second best season with 64. Maybe he'll do better than that. Maybe he'll do a touch worse. But that right there is just absolute difference-making production at the running back position because he's not going to be an Eheem Hines. He's not going to have 80 rush attempts on a season. This is a first-round pick who's going to be getting volume. Do you think ETN will not be getting volume? Do you think James Robinson will take all the carries? I don't understand why the round one running back who was taken in the NFL draft and went to Clemson in college, played with Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, round one of the NFL draft, to the Jaguars, ETN, Cinderella story, to the Jaguars as well. Trevor Lawrence, the incredibly rare mobile quarterback who also targets the running back. This is just a match made in heaven for fantasy points. You get the wide open running lanes from the mobile quarterback. Just like we we love the Ravens rushing efficiency because Lamar Jackson freezes linebackers. That's why Dobbins is efficient. That's why Edwards is efficient. That's why I think ETN will be efficient. Sure, he's not Lamar, but Trevor Lawrence is mobile. Lamar does not target the running back, ever. That's why Dobbins is dropping in Dynasty. Fortunately, Travis Etienne had 48 catches for nearly 600 receiving yards this past year in college. The stars are aligning. I couldn't think of a more dream landing spot for a first-round NFL running back. Yeah, um, Nick Chubb had, what, Carlos Hyde. J.K. Dobbins had... Well, and he he wasn't even good his first season, but he had Ingram there kind of messing things up. Uh, we have all these situations, all these rookies that we look back fondly on, many of them I've been on, that hit for a second half of the season that they produce. But name one of those guys that had a legitimate running back one from this previous season on the team still. And I know, I know, people think I might be james robinson truther but here's the problem you're saying the the jk dobbins issue you're absolutely right it's the complete opposite issue as far as the type of play 
but it's a similar issue that it's a squeeze. It's a touch squeeze. It's a volume squeeze. So you have volume issues over with Baltimore and you're questioning the efficiency over there, but somehow we're to believe mm -hmm. that Etienne is going to get all this volume and all these snaps and James Robinson does nothing. Is, is there something special about that, that Clemson connection when he hands off the ball to Etienne that's just so much better than to, to James Robinson? No, you're, you're counting on him passing the ball. That's yeah, a big I don't ask even think for that offense. And I know you're saying because it depends on Lamar. It depends on uh, Trevor Lawrence, right? But there's a lot of question marks that go into that entire situation between the coaching staff, the rookie, and the other wide receivers that we're looking for him to feed. So fortunately, we don't even have so with with the Lamar Bateman uh, discussion. We we want to project more passing volume for Lamar because he has Bateman, a very good receiver. We don't have to project at all with Lawrence and ETN. We don't have to say like, you know, I think Trevor Lawrence will target ETN because ETN was incredibly productive as a pass catching running back in college. We don't have to even project anything. We've just seen it. This has happened. They are going from college to the NFL together. You want to make Trevor Lawrence feel comfortable his first year in the NFL? You want to know what you should let him do? Dump the ball off to Travis Etienne when he feels like it because he put up monster numbers in college and that's what he was doing all throughout college. It's not like Lamar where you say, you know, Lamar has never supported a thousand yard receiver in the NFL or in college, but it's okay because he's getting abatement. We don't even have to do that. We can just say like, oh, we have seen Trevor Lawrence support a running back at nearly 600 receiving yards in a far shorter than the NFL schedule. Which season was that at Clemson though? His most recent season. So we okay, have just who was seen the, who was the wide receivers. What happened to the wide receiver situation there? Well, we had uh Cornell Powell. We had, who was it? Was it Amari Rogers? Were they in Clemson? So we had yeah. a third well, who round. Who did they have? Well, Okay, sure. They're, they're his number one. But this is my point, though. He doesn't even have his number one guy. So, of course, he turned to his running back some more, right? Does that not make sense? Am I completely off base? They, oh, sure. If I've we want to discredit, yeah, we can just discredit that Travis Etienne was playing with two NFL caliber wide receivers, one taken round three, one taken round five. If we pull up Etienne, I will throw this up right now. ETN the year, so you want the year before in 2019 when he was with T. Higgins. That's fine. Travis ETN had 37 catches for 432 receiving yards okay. when T. Higgins was there. That is still like 90, instead of 98th or whatever percentile receptions, what is that, like 89th percentile? Travis ETN still smashed even with That's Higgins there. That's what I'd be multiplying. Your, your, I can't remember which was which, but that's what I would be multiplying it based on. So Something we, more so we can't that. count. So, so those stats didn't count. What he did last year. No, so I'm then, should we? If you, I'm saying his his passing game in the NFL and the receivers that he has are are going to be better, unless we think that Urban Meyer is just going to 
constantly be running these short plays that he's just going to constantly be dumping it off, then, I mean, if that's the if that's what we think, then okay. I again, there's a whole lot of uncertainty there, and at the same time, there's an there's a good running back that's already there. It's not Urban Meyer's guy, so we'll have to see how that plays out. But it's not like he's not getting any snaps. So for some of those plays, some of those snaps where mm-hmm. you know Lawrence is going to want to dump it off, it's not going to be Etienne even in the game. That's fine. Etienne actually was not a workhorse in college. He never had more than about 200 rush attempts. He was right. not some 300 rush attempts guy. This was not a true workhorse. This was kind of like the Alvin Kamara in the NFL role where the guy is getting around 175 to 200 carries. And a lot of his value is because he's such a good receiver. Now, if we want to talk about college and who guys played with, because it seems like you're hung up on T Higgins leaving. So if we look at Rashad Bateman in 2019, not Higgins, it was Justin Ross, uh, who, who, uh, sat out the season, right? Oh yes. Okay. That's what I'm, that's what I was thinking. It wasn't Higgins leaving. It was the fact he didn't have the guy. who So, had the, so then in 2019, when he had, so he had Higgins and Ross admittedly and Rogers really good and Powell. And he still I'm had the 37 somewhere catch between for a little bit yards. more. I, I've been told by people about that, looking at the offense, evaluating Lawrence. It was actually a positive towards Lawrence because they said that, that this past season was very different and they had to play a very different style. He was still good at it. But it just made me think about how that new style that they had to adapt to because they didn't have the people they were expecting to have was probably a little bit more conducive for Etienne. That's all. Uh-huh. That's fine. So Etienne was very productive, even with four NFL caliber receivers there. And then he was super ultra productive with only two NFL caliber receivers there. Well, Let's we'll see how good Amari Rodgers really is. Let's slow it down. So Rashad Bateman, he's so incredible, right? Just he, We've been talking about him. He's this great prospect. I've been talking him up just like you have. I'm like, yeah, I think he's good. He's going to come in a target share. What did he do in 2019? 2019, he was playing with the mega talent. Probably the best receiver I've ever seen in my life. Tyler Johnson, the fifth round pick who had, I think, under 10 catches his rookie season. Tyler Johnson was so good, the NFL took him in the fifth round. And Tyler Johnson was more productive than Rashad Bateman. Even when Rashad Bateman was 20 years old, he was outproduced. I know Tyler Johnson was older, but still, if we want to play the draft capital or playing with receivers cards, Rashad Bateman was a first round pick and he was productive, but also he had been outproduced by what the NFL deemed a fifth round pick. What did Rashad Bateman have that Tyler Johnson didn't have? I don't quite understand. I think Tyler Johnson should have been above a fifth round pick. I think he should have been better than that. I think he should have been a third or fourth round pick, but I do not think Rashad Bateman was just such an obvious first round pick smash. What he did in college was good on player profiler. Everything that he's, that he did, it looks really good. He's got great stats, but nothing necessarily is jumping off the page as to why this guy is the alpha among alphas. This is not the Jamar chase profile where you go, Oh wow. He had the best sophomore college season in NFL history. Oh yeah. Pencil at a 20% target share. This is a guy that was good junior year. He was good again, but he never had anything special. He had under a hundred receiving yards a game as a junior. He had a 30% target share as a junior. I mean, I, it's just hard for me to get excited about him as this 
ultra mega prospect when ETN showed that he was probably the premier receiving back in all of college football this past season. I mean, you're getting hung up on my just observation about the, the change in offensive style uh, a little bit. Uh, there is some research more behind that because like the idea of uh, vacated pass attempts, targets, whatever, isn't really a thing. But when in a season, like say you lose a player that you were expecting to have due to injury or whatever, a higher percentage of those targets then upgrades targets to specifically running back. So I'm just saying there's some good research out there about that, about how those situations typically boost the the running back targets. So that's where that was coming from. It, maybe it's a difference of 10, 10 targets, 10 receptions or something. I was just saying mediate that 79 a little bit. That's all I was trying to go with there for there. Um, look, the nice thing about Rashad Bateman, and I don't want to make this sound like mm-hmm. I'm conceding anything because I'm not, but the nice thing about Rashad Bateman is he presents us a wonderful opportunity for to, to profit, right? Because even though I have him in my ranks saying, if you have to take someone at this pick before Etienne, I'm going to take Bateman. But guess what? In your rookie dynasty drafts, you don't usually have to make that pick. So he is a perfect opportunity to trade back, to make a trade, gain profit, and still get Bateman later, who I'm saying is going to score just as many points and then still carry over value into future years. If you want to put all your chips in on Etienne being a, a, a season winner, that's okay. But it's, to me, a, a lot of risk, more than you are letting on with that coaching staff, with a, a rookie quarterback who, I'm, yeah, sure, he's familiar with, but this is the NFL, all right? And and none of those other situations, I'm sorry, none of those other situations of rookie running backs coming in have a existing incumbent running back as good, as young as James Robinson. And none of those cases. The undrafted always- guy. This is, this is the guy that's such a premier talent that he was undrafted. And within the season, suddenly everyone assumed he was amazing. His advanced metrics weren't even that good. James Robinson crushed in fantasy. Because he was the pawn that the Jaguars used to tank to get Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence in the same draft. That is what James Robinson was. He was the sacrificial lamb. You don't get a 95% opportunity share in a season that the team's tanking because you're so incredibly good per touch. If James Robinson was truly this good and they fed him and ran the offense through him, they wouldn't have won a single game last year. He was their tanking piece. Part of why he had such insane volume was that Raquel Armstead in a COVID year nearly died during the pandemic. It is very rare that a team is going to be very cheap and cut their former round one running back to save money. Then the backup gets a deadly disease that's being spread, nearly dies from it. Now James Robinson outcompetes Divine Ozigbo to get those carries. I think the most impressive part is that James Robinson stayed healthy aside from the final two games of the season where he wasn't healthy. But, I mean, give it up. Clap for James Robinson. The guy was getting 20 carries a game, and he held up for most of a season. That's the most impressive part of his year. I don't know why we can put him on a pedestal and say the hurdle of ETN is James Robinson. If James Robinson was really that good of a running back, 
why would you invest heavy draft capital into running back? If they thought he was their future, they would have said, wow, this is, this kicks ass. We have the quarterback of our future. We have the running back of our future. Let's go get another offensive lineman or yeah, let's get I an edge I can't control rusher. how dumb, you know, or admire that front office is. I, I have no control over that. And just so we're clear, we're not, what I'm saying is it, if, if Kadarius Tony hadn't been taken right before, they're saying they would have drafted Kadarius Tony. We all agree Kadarius Tony is bad, right? Okay, so yeah. this is the front office that was going to take Kadarius Tony ahead of Travis Etienne. And yet, and yet, Travis Etienne is this amazing guy who's going to be all that. Well, yeah, they still burned a first round pick on Travis Etienne. Also, yeah. I think the Tony pick was stupid. However, the Giants also thought he was worth a first rounder. So there was some type of consensus with at least two teams, probably more, that Tony was a first round talent. We probably, you and I are missing something that they saw. I agree. I don't think Tony's talented. I would prefer ETN. However, if we want to talk about coaching staff, you're very hung up on the Jaguars coaching staff. Why am I not allowed to be, why can't I be hung up on the Ravens coaching staff who has never let, Lamar throw a lot of passes. I understand he hasn't had the best supporting cast. That's fine. There are other quarterbacks who will have a bad supporting cast and they will not be by far the worst team in the NFL when it comes to pass attempts per game. That's what I am stuck on is that the Lamar Jackson floor that we have seen for three years now in terms of his or two and a half years now for his pass attempts per game is that he is by far the lowest volume quarterback in the NFL. So yes, I think he's going to increase, but this is this is a coaching staff. They know Lamar. If they really thought their best chance of winning was dialing up the pass attempts, they would have dialed up more pass attempts. Lamar wasn't necessarily passing all that much more when the team was cooking at the end of last year. I'll pull up those stats actually, because I think that's kind of a misconception that Lamar was suddenly hucking and chucking it when the team got good last year. And when Lamar was good in fantasy, are you ready for the pass attempts per game? The final month of the, of the season, Lamar Jackson pass attempts per game, 17, 17, 22, 26, 18, which is an average of 20 pass attempts per game. So when the offense was cooking, like in 2019 last year, Lamar threw the ball 20 times a game. This is a quarterback that the coaching staff knows is best in a low volume role when he's running the ball. The reason Lamar crushed in fantasy at the end of last year, the reason that the Ravens started scoring way more points at the end of last year, where they put up about 35 points a game on average, the final five games was because Lamar ran the ball. There is no evidence anywhere coaching staff, Lamar himself that shows this is someone who has ever been good passing the ball well that last statement is wrong he's good at passing the ball i mean come on even if you're right about the volume and they think it's better and more efficient when they keep it under wraps you, you that's that's not that's not fair just saying then he must be bad at it that was clearly a coaching well, a well they must not think that he's incredible at it everyone knows that passing the ball gets you more yards per attempt than running the ball well, maybe Except, that's why they drafted wide receivers and they're talking about throwing it more. So if if you're averaging about six yards a carry as a team, when you have Lamar going six and a half to seven, 
Dobbins at six, Gus Edwards at five and a half. That's often more efficient than if you have a 65% completion percentage and eight yards per attempt, which are really good figures. It's actually more efficient for the Ravens to run the ball. And that is assuming Lamar is 2019 Lamar. If we look at his 2020 efficiency, it is just so much more obvious that they should just keep running the ball because they're even getting more yards per play. This is the only team in the NFL that gets more yards per play running the ball. For Lamar to show that he's good enough for them to stop running, he's going to have to ascend to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL as a pure passer, which I don't believe he is. We've never seen it at any point. We are just like projecting this crazy mythological Lamar Jackson's a great passer. Whereas with ETN, we can say, oh, were you, you were good in college. Okay. Uh, you, you caught the passes in college. Great. Um, you caught them from Trevor Lawrence. Cool. Uh, you're going to have Trevor Lawrence again. And uh, we're also going to make sure that there's some good skill players on the outside. So the defense can't stack the box against you. Have a hell of a season. Let's talk about conceptions that maybe aren't right, right? Because you talked about how much opportunity share James Robinson got, right? And I, I looked into this and we're really impressed because we talk about, you said a 95%, right? That was talking about his snaps, I believe, right? I believe that 95, that must be referring to the snaps. Yeah, that was his opportunity share where he's frequently getting 95% of the weighted opportunities, which is trying to weight okay. running back yeah. targets, running back carries. How, how do you guys weight opportunities? Because I, I have been doing that myself. I've been talking about it and I've been weighting them uh, about, and, and you found this as well. I, I find one weighted opportunity is one target as 2.55 rush attempts. Something yeah, along so those I'm lines. looking. I stand corrected. His opportunity share was 85, not 95. But yeah. fortunately for James Robinson, 85% opportunity yeah. was still number one in the NFL. And I've, I've seen we those stats basically, you get up to 95 if you do like the snap share or something like that. I, I, that's probably what you're, you're thinking of. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just want to say, again, misconceptions. Jacksonville didn't have a lot of running back opportunities to hand out that's kind of going back to my problem about it doesn't take james robinson doesn't need to take much to severely hamper etienne's available volume because it took it took james robinson getting all of that high a percentage to just get to the sixth most running back weighted opportunities according to how i weight them behind obviously henry but behind montgomery behind jacobs behind aaron jones like, these aren't guys, Aaron Jones, we don't think of him as getting a huge amount, right? But that speaks to how actual small of volume, the quantity volume, not looking at the percentages. People get hung up on the percentages, but when you look at the actual volume, here's the problem. Fifth fewest touchdowns, right? Second fewest rushing touchdown. This is just last year, Jacksonville. 2.8 red zone scoring attempts per game. Third fewest in the NFL, all right? These were terrible numbers, terrible uh, goal line opportunity numbers. James Robinson created most of those touchdowns. He wasn't just getting the ball at the goal line. He actually created most of those touchdowns that he got. Um, that's my problem is it's not going to take much. When you split that that up, that James Robinson, it took all that 85% just to get him up to running back seven. You split that even 60-40, and it's not enough to get either. 
up to where so, you were expecting them. So what you're doing right now is you're taking the Gardner Minshew, Jake Luton, Mike Glennon 2020. And we're assuming that the Jacksonville offense is going to be pigeonholed into very few plays per drive and very few yards per play. I don't believe that's going to happen. They're getting Trevor Lawrence, one of the best quarterback prospects of all time. Someone who everyone is pretty much in consensus is NFL ready. There is nobody out there that's saying, you know, they might not start Lawrence week one. We think Minshew gives them a better opportunity to win. Nobody is saying that. Everyone's in agreement. Trevor Lawrence is so much better. That is why we cannot just pencil in 2020 into 2021. Because if we're doing that, then I'm just going to pencil in Lamar Jackson for 25 pass attempts per game like last year into this next year. And if he, again, has the same pass volume as last year and Bateman has a 20% target share, he's going to have well under 100 targets. He's going to have about 85 targets. That sounds pretty terrible. I, I will say that the on average, a, a new coach in the NFL with a rookie quarterback, the, the pass attempt percentage goes down. But the so that would benefit usually goes up. So that but, would actually potentially benefit the, the running back volume then. It could if benefit the running back volume, but maybe not in the passing game. And I, I agree. Lawrence is good. He's going to be better. The offense is going to improve. I just wanted to give a little context, but you're saying it's mm-hmm. going to improve. I'm saying Baltimore is going to improve. All right. I'm just giving a little context saying that it's not as much volume there in that offense to begin with that everyone thinks that. Robinson had it actually wasn't it was an extremely high share but even if you increase it and then pull it back I'm more concerned about Etienne's chances as a running as a rookie than I am most other rookies in the situations they go to Um, because usually in those first round running backs they're going in a situation they're much more clear guy None of those other situations have someone as much as you 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 can downplay James Robinson. Even if yeah, even if Etienne takes the majority, it's still not to the extent that we often want to see. And so the the mm-hmm. absolute upside you're looking at is what like Miles Sanders kind of thing. Which so is good. if we look, so if we look at round one running backs taken in the NFL the past ten seasons, on average. They're going to get 18 combined carries plus targets per game. Some of the names on that list are pretty terrible running backs like David Wilson, Rashad Penny, guys that got about five opportunities per game. But on average, it still comes out to 18 because round one NFL running backs get fed. We don't even need, I'm not going to project ETN for that much work. We will assume, we're going to assume He is eased into the NFL in a way that historically round one running backs who've been productive throughout college are not eased in. We're going to assume he's eased in. Even still, those historical comps though are actually uh, very comparable situations. That's my point. So, so those guys were, who were they facing? There was, they were just dead running backs. This is an undrafted free agent with a new, with a, with a new regime or at least like a new coaching staff. I don't understand where this allegiance to James Robinson comes from. Like the Urban Meyer, they were also so committed to James Robinson that they 
took Travis Etienne round one as a running back. I know you brought up Kadarius Tony. That's fine. Maybe they wanted Tony. But if you like James Robinson, you don't suddenly panic on the clock because Tony's gone and go, Travis Etienne. You're, a running back would never even touch your lips in their first round of the draft if you believed in James Robinson. They would never say Travis Etienne's name round one if they liked James Robinson. Unless they wanted a guy specifically more for the gadget receiving role, like you even there's just made an argument for not long ago. And like Kadarius Tony would maybe be more comparable to. Like that all fits. That he's gonna be he's gonna be pigeonholed into a role that's not your typical you even said he's not a typical workhorse back in college either. And if he doesn't have that, you are just hoping he hits on Austin Eckler efficiency when when Melvin Gordon was still an RB one. Not well. What, what I'm Austin Eckler. What I'm looking at is just any round one NFL running back that had a pass catching background in college has smashed in the NFL. The guys that burn out and are duds were not how elite many, pass catchers. How many pass catching purely running backs have even been drafted high? Not very many because it's very hard to be that good as a running back at a position that everyone has shown doesn't matter that much in order to get drafted so highly, you have to be a true difference maker. And that's what Travis Etienne is. And I actually looked at these round one, round two running backs. So guys with good draft capital. And I looked at guys who had between 150 to to 225 rush attempts in a season. I think Etienne can hit that. Maybe he doesn't hit that this year, but next year, probably that's what 10 ish rush attempts a game. This isn't heavy volume. James Robinson was getting 17 or 18. If we just say that ETN, he can probably eke out 10. I think he's going to have more than that. Maybe he won't. If we just say, you know what? Maybe he'll have around 10. And if we think he's getting around four catches per game, which with my projections had him just, if we assume he's average would be a best season of 79 second best season of 64. If we want to use the lower figure because we assume his senior year, which happened, didn't happen, that's fine. He'll still be hitting the 64. If we look at guys that are getting around four receptions a game, which is well within ETN's wheelhouse historically, these guys absolutely smash in fantasy. On average, they have 18.7 PPR points per game. Guys that are getting 10 plus carries with around four catches. That's what ETN's going to do. 18.7 on average. The only running backs last year that would have outscored that are Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, and Derrick Henry per game. And that is the average outcome. We don't even need ETN to be average. He can be below average. But the idea is that these pass-catching running backs that are not a Naheem Hines or a J.D. McKissick, which ETN is not, he's going to get more carries. He's going to get some goal line work because he had a touchdown every 9.8 rush attempts in his college career, explosive, knows for the end zone, will get red zone carries, will get goal line carries. These guys crush in fantasy. 18.7 fantasy points. The path for Bateman to get any type of difference-making fantasy production is going to be so incredibly difficult. I gave him around average efficiency this year with a 20% target share. Even still, and with an above-average touchdown rate per catch, I have Rashad Bateman at 10.1 PPR fantasy points per game. And that's okay. You want to say 
you said, what if he gets 25%? If he has basically historically the best rookie target share ever in an offense where I'm projecting Lamar to have about a 15% pass attempts increase from last year, even with above average efficiency everywhere to 25% target share, Rashad Bateman comes out to 12.6 PPR fantasy points per game. It is just such an uphill sledding path for the lower volume alpha wide receiver to have some type of difference making fantasy production that can rival a pass catching running back. Even a JD McKissick or a Naheem Hines can outscore Bateman. What they did last year can outscore Bateman per game, even if he's getting close to a 25% super alpha target share. That is my issue with Bateman is that ETN has history on his side. There are dozens of comps of early round running backs with pass catching upside that end up delivering because they basically all deliver. And there is very little history of a wide receiver commanding true wide receiver one fantasy points per game with a quarterback that is significantly below average with passing volume. I mean, everything you said, you know, sounds very reasonable. I just, it just seems very old and, and tired and uh, short-sighted. And I just, I just want to help people find something that makes a difference. I know that's what you think uh, Etienne's going to be. I, I think that this time again, next year off season, we're going to be looking at it and Etienne's going to be stuck in this uncertain running back committee. He's going to have some big games, nice games. And then it's going to be games. You're not sure where to start him. And meanwhile, uh, I think Bateman's going to be a rising star that everyone's going to be excited about. That's where I'm at. And that's why I say it, it may not be as high a highs, um, but the total points, that's where we're going to go objectively, is going to be higher. And then ADP, higher as well. Stay tuned. Josh, I'm good if you got anything else to say. I don't want to hold you up any longer. And uh, I feel like we were just about ready to start repeating ourselves. Yeah, those were my final notes was hitting on the the historical comps. I am I am fully out of information. I could I tell you, you were say. doing your scripted reading voice. Yeah, I was just burning <laughs> through my final stats I hadn't listed of all the historical comps I'd gathered. And yeah, at this point, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves, so... We'll, we'll let the right. audience decide. Hey, you put up a pretty good fight, especially, you know, you're not used to having to think on your feet quite so much. You, you put up a good good fight. I, I would not be surprised most people are going to gonna think you, you won this the, these rounds, but we'll we'll have to actually see how it plays out. Um, it'll be interesting. I, I I just am more of a believer, again, that a situation is, is a big part for running back end. So I'm more willing to trust the talent when it comes to the wide receiver. I think that, I think philosophically that's where it comes down to for, for, for me, but um, I make a lot of good points, but Josh, thank you again for coming on. Uh, anything else you want to plug? I know we talked about already draft kits coming out over at underworldplayerprofiler.com. Anything else you want to hit? No, just that. Check out the draft kit. You can find me on Twitter at jlarkytweets or just search Josh Larky and I'll show up. That's it. Yeah. You can pretty much see anything I'm doing through Twitter. So that's always a good place to direct people. Thanks for doing this and setting this up, setting up the show sheet and everything. This was, this was a good time. And I feel like we are both more knowledgeable about these two players. Now that it's over. 
yeah, I learned some things about Etienne, uh, for sure, when it comes to uh, Clemson. I'm not a big college guy, so I have to – that that was a huge pull on my part, remembering Justin Ross's name, let alone anything else. So I'm pretty I'm, – I'm good. I'm good the rest of the night. I remember oh, Justin Ross's name, so I'm good. I don't watch college football at all. I, I don't either. Like, I haven't watched a college football game in its entirety in years. Because I don't follow college football to begin with. And for my job, it's better if I'm not as aware of what's going on. Because when I do my rookie prospect modeling, if I have too many biases and I'm like, oh, I've seen this yep. guy in college, I want him to be good. Then I might have some kind of bias where I'm like, oh, let's make sure I create a model where mm-hmm. this guy's number one. So yeah, yep. I, I know nothing about college. So the Clemson one, I was like, thank goodness this is a major conference school and that I've done work on this and I know these players or else... Another school, it would have been tough. Like uh, when I talked about Tyler Johnson with Bateman, could not (laughs) tell you another, I could not tell you another player on Minnesota. Yeah. I have no idea who the quarterback is, if he's good. No, I just, maybe that's why they weren't good. Cause the quarterback sucks. I have no, I have no idea. Yeah. Neither do I. I just, I knew that cause we do some teammate score metrics to kind of weight production based on the supporting Mm -hmm. cast. So I knew Tyler Johnson was there, but yeah, that was about it. Those are, I, we had some thoroughly, deep college polls. <laughs> I, yeah. We're, we're, wow. We both exhausted our college knowledge tonight. Um, yeah. I, oh, am, was I am convinced you're right about the, the, you're better off not watching it because you get biases otherwise. And I will say the model that, that came out, my model last year for running back, like hit really good with last year's running backs and including, including pre draft model of just of James Robinson is my RB six. But that's impressive. This year, uh, well, it didn't like Najee Harris because of age production and all that stuff. Understandable. You got to adjust. It liked ATN. He was my running back one according to that model. So I'll, mm-hmm. I'll give you Yeah, that. I had ETN one, Harris two, pre-draft. And then it got a little closer post-draft, mm-hmm. but not much. The, the whole situation thing, I jumped Javante actually running back two because I see a clearer path to him being the true running back one for that team within next year. So, so you have ETN one or Harris one? No, Harris one, Javante two, Javante two, ETN, ETN three. three. Okay, yeah, I have ETN, Harris, Javante, but they're they're pretty close. Yeah, like yeah. these are all, all right. early draft capital guys. They'll get fed. All right, all right. I'll have to have you back on uh, sooner than I, I want to say next year, but I'd love to have you on sooner than that. But definitely next year to to recap some of this, and we'll find something else to argue about. Yeah, I'll be ready to victory lap this debate next year, so I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll own up to it. I'll own up to it. You, you'll you'll be able to find me. I'm not just going to delete my account. All right. Have a good night. No, I'm not going to just be like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> I'm no, waiting I won't be for like it. That. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs>